The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Crossover time, listener questions live, Chalk Talk, Orange and Black Insider, all Bengals football answering your questions live on the air. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by the coach, Matt Minnick. And the coach is doing well today because he surprised me with a little bit of news right before we took the air. The coach is officially back into coaching. Yeah, the, the, the coach has been uh, the coach has been kind of retired for a little while, but uh, but you know, getting getting back in the swing of things with the unprecedented uh, spring Massachusetts high school uh, season. So yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> well, congratulations to you, man. That's that's really awesome. We don't call him the coach just because we call him the coach. <laughs> So uh, congratulations to you. Sounds like a fun, fun gig. And I know it's a unique season because of COVID, but uh, a lot of people are trying to make it, you know, trying to squeeze in football seasons how they can and, and obviously being safe. So congratulations to you, man. That's awesome. And I yeah. uh, uh, look forward to hearing more about that as the season progresses. We're, we're doing listener questions live. So we've got a number of different ways that you all can submit questions to us and have them answered on the air. We've got two live chats going, one in on YouTube, one on Facebook. So uh, please feel free to utilize those live chats to s- send us some questions. We've got a couple via email that we've already got queued up that we will get to, but that is the obinsider at gmail.com. You can call or text us. On the OBI line, 949-542-6241. Uh, you can tweet us at Bengals OBI on Twitter. There's a comment thread on CincyJungle.com. We've got a lot of different ways for you all to reach us. So let's let's get started. If you um, if you don't mind, Matt, if you're ready to go, we've got a lot kind of already teed up. And uh, let's just kind of start with this one. Good friend of the show, Patrick Esther says basically asking about Travion Williams. Um, you know, they, they, a lot of us thought that he was a guy that was going to fit well in Jim Turner's blocking scheme because of the Texas A&M connection, all of that. Uh, we've now seen that Joe Mixon, he may not even play the rest of the year. We don't know yet. It sounds like he might, but who knows at this point. Uh, you've got Gio Bernard getting a lot of touches, Samaje Pirine getting some, but not a lot from Travion Williams. Is this the time to maybe look at him? And why haven't they gone to that well yet? I mean, there's only so many, so many reps, so many carries. I, I think Gio is really good at what he does, and I think that that's that's pretty much what Travion does too. 
Um, now, Geo has, I believe, a year left in his contract, but I think they can get out of it uh, reasonably inexpensively if they wanted to this offseason. Um, I mean, I don't know if they want to, but but I, I think they could. So it might be a good time to to look at Travion because uh, Geo is up there for what he's making uh, compared to running backs in the league. And you've got, obviously, with what you're paying, mix him right now, too. Um, we all love Geo, and honestly, he's might be a better fit for what this offense is right now than uh, than than Mixon is anyway, but that that to me would be the slot. But when they when they drafted him and Anderson, um, to me it was like okay, Anderson is Mixon's backup and Williams is uh, is Bernard's backup because they kind of fit in, into those two roles. And, and I was surprised when they they drafted both of those guys and then extended both of the running backs um, because you, you, like it, it definitely looked like they were planning on replacing one of them. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he's just a little too much like Geo, but now that we've got less riding on protecting the quarterback, because um, we already screwed that up, uh, <laughs> it, it wouldn't hurt. Let, I mean, let, let's see what Travion Williams can do, especially in pass protection, because again, that's what Geo does really well. And Travion Williams, that might be the only time I've ever watched college film and been like wow, this guy is good in pass protection. Um, and, and with the Jim Turner connection, like, you know, the old line coach was pushing the guy, uh, you know, for those reasons. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that they should get him in there and not, yes, more carries, but I'd love to see him on some passing downs too. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Rodney Anderson. We tend to kind of forget about him because he's not on the roster anymore. But, man, would this be just a great time to see him if he was healthy? Yes. Able- Play. He he in that preseason last year just flashed a bunch before he ended up unfortunately getting that same that same knee injury and uh, you know I don't know I don't know if his football career will ever get back on track I hope so but gosh that would have been a nice nice weapon to have right now given the the mix and injury but I, I think I mean why why not why not give him a look I mean, or give him yeah. more. I mean why not where, where what do you have to lose at this point and I mean you look at Geo's stats. In terms of, and I, we all know what Geo brings, but I mean, the last few games, Matt, 30 yards on the ground, 32 yards on the ground, 18 yards on the ground, 30 yards on the ground, and then you had 62 against the Titans, and then another 37 against the Browns. These are the numbers basically since Mixon has been nursing that injury, right? So, uh, I mean, there's nothing really there. The Titans game was a nice showing, but, um, you know, there's not a ton there where you say, you know, it's not like Geo's stringing together 100-yard game after 100-yard game. It's just kind of like, well, why not? What do you have to lose at this point to give Williams some touches? I do think, to your point about Geo's contract, if Zach Taylor does stick around next year and even much of his staff, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of these Marvin guys probably not be here anymore. I think we're seeing Geno Atkins' salary probably be shed from the books to potentially make some moves, maybe at offensive line, maybe Geo's contract, even though it's not huge, it still is a veteran running back contract. So maybe you see that one get get cut loose and, and a couple of others. So um, we may see yet again another another very different looking roster than one from just a couple of years ago next yeah. year. I, I mean, honestly, I, I I think that's kind of the problem right now. And, and like, I, I get it. Like, I think Zach wanted to make things work with everybody. Um, and, and I think there's a number of guys around that it's just not going to work with. And and they've held on to him for too long, and it's not really benefiting anybody right now. Um, 
so you know for whatever reasons uh, yeah I, I would agree i think a lot of those guys i think you're going to see probably gnl probably sean williams um you know a, a lot of these guys that were were from the marvin era yeah. uh you know definitely moving on um because yes yeah, it's, it's i mean it, it, it's time you know they've they, they've got to do they've got to do those things and i mean it, and, it, and it sucks with like look we all love geo and and geo's a guy too that obviously there was you know, Dunlap was saying some things uh, on his way out, and there's been the Elise Jesse report that there's, you know, discontent <laughs> in the uh, in the locker room. Mm-hmm. But but Gio is one guy that came out and it's like, no, we love Zach, we're on board. Um, so whether that's lip service or not, like he's you know he's he's not he's de- he's not a problem. He's not causing problems. Um, but yeah, maybe it, maybe it just has to go because they're spending a lot of money at that position right now between those two guys. Yep. And normally I would I would say, hey, call one out here, Matt, but we've got kind of a a based on what you were just saying there, we've got Dean here, and I think he also texted us texted us this. When when can we get rid of Zach and Captain Lou? Um, to your point here, I mean, this is I, I'd love to get your read on this because of the Elise Jesse report and because there was a recent statement by Joe Burrow saying he loves it in Cincinnati. He loves the team, that sort of thing. The comments by Gio saying there are no problems. Tyler Boyd kind of towing the company line as well. I mean, are these all things that kind of say we, we the, as the Bengals, we will and should give Zach another shot in 21 based on some of these, this player speak that we're seeing or in your eyes, have we just seen enough to know what we know? Well, I'm going to start with the Joe Burrow thing. Um, I think you look at the Cleveland Browns, and I, I, I firmly believe that when they hired Freddie Kitchens, they hired a guy that their quarterback liked. Um, look, like I, I, I get it, and I think you take that into, a, in, into account and you respect the way your quarterback feels about things. But in particular, when we're talking about a second-year guy, like you're in charge of a multi-million-dollar, you know, franchise business here like you can't be you can't be just relying on what that guy says to make that type of decision all right this isn't like joe burrow going in and pounding on the table and saying i need a speed receiver like that it's different than this is my head coach so um it i think it probably does matter i mean and it's definitely a a positive in his side but it really shouldn't because at the end of the day if it's about where you think the franchise is going and what you believe is going on. Um, this has been a crazy year. We have the Elise Jesse report. Obviously there's people with ties to that team, to that locker room, but nobody's in that locker room right now uh, because of COVID. Yeah. So it's hard to really gauge. Now, look, Mike Brown should be in that locker room. Duke Tobin should be in that locker room, you know, Gender permit, you know, gender issues permitting. Katie Blackburn should be in that locker room, yeah. like, uh, you know, and, and and when you're hearing things like this, you should be popping in. You know, you should just be showing up and sitting in the back of Jim Turner's meetings and Lou Anaruma's meetings and yeah. seeing what you know what's really going on. I mean, this is kind of perfect because a lot of these things are going on over Skype, so you can <laughs> you can sneak on and they probably don't even know you're there most of the time. Um, so I mean, I, I think those things are a concern. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes, sometimes people, sometimes you're not treating people right and it's a problem. And sometimes people aren't getting what they want 
and you aren't treating, you aren't doing things the way you want them to do them. And they become a problem for that reason. And maybe you're not really doing anything differently than the last guy did. Uh, but because they have their opinions, I mean, I, I think anybody that's been through a changing situation at work, seeing a new boss come in, like you've seen that situation played out with, with you or your coworkers where somebody just wasn't on board. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say that it's one or the other because, again, you have to be there. And that's what I think it comes down to. Is they have to be in those those situations and know what's going on. There's definitely issues. There definitely needs to be some changes going on. Um, how is Zach as a head coach? A lot of those things are, are really tough to see. Um, but game management is something you can see. There's been some times we want to be more aggressive, but at the same time, they're uh, – I think they were running a little bit short now, but they were on pace to have a chance to set a record for fourth downs converted mm-hmm. <laughs> in the season. So, you know, he is aggressive in some situations. Um, as an offensive coordinator, you look at some of the situational issues he's had. So that, that's a, you know, that that's definitely a concern there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it c- comes down to what changes are you going to make? What are you going to do? I don't think Zach's going anywhere. Uh, I, I think he's going to get another year. I think Lou might too. Um, I think that depends on on how much the locker room feels about that. I, I did a poll on Twitter the other day, uh, basically asking, "Do you think this defense uh, gives gives good effort on every play?" And uh, I think it was like seventy nine percent of of people that, that took the poll thought they gave good effort, and I tend to agree. And that's what that's what makes me wonder about the Lou stuff is. Look, I get they're professionals and they're playing for the contract and they're playing for the next job, but at the same time, they're human beings. And and I, again, if you've ever not liked your boss, which is probably all of us at some point, um, you probably didn't work that hard all the time when, when, when in that situation. So I don't know. Um, and I and honestly, I think that they're so deficient on that side of the ball in terms of what they have in terms of pass pressures, and they really haven't had a cornerback too. Darius Phillips is okay. He's not he's not a real cornerback though, uh, in, in my opinion. I think he's a great like CB four that can play yep. all three roles for you. But I, you don't want him to go into the season with him as the guy. Um, so I don't know. I think he has still been a little bit shortchanged. We thought they fixed all those problems, but then you, you didn't have Trey and you don't have Reader and and Carlos Dunlap didn't produce anything for you. So at the end of the day, you didn't really get much but a couple of young linebackers uh, any different on that side of the ball. Now, you take the next step. Like, you know, we say, well, we're not, if they're not going to fire Zach, they're going to fire Lou. Well, if they're not going to fire Lou, you're not getting pass rush. Maybe it's maybe it's Nick Eason. Um, Al Golden was responsible for pass ru- uh, third downs and blitz packages. They're not getting a pass rush even when they're blitzing. Um, he, he's done a good job with the linebackers. Uh, you know, to to you know, to his case with those rookie linebackers, but you know, maybe that's a guy. Uh, and then, of course, we'll talk about Jim Turner. Uh, you know, last year the the offensive line turned around at the end of the year. This year it didn't. Uh, so that's a, a pretty you know pretty bad mark in in his column. Um, that they, they again they haven't been able to generate any sort of run game throughout this season. Um, I mean, that's that that's probably the most obvious one. I'm going to say this to supplement a post I put up on, on Cincy jungle today. It kind of centered around an interview we did this week with former Bengals wide receiver, Tim McGee and some statements he made about Bengals management and stuff. 
I, I just, I, I guess my message is there's a lot to be concerned about with the Zach Taylor era and the coaches on the staff, the lack of, I mean, see, someone said 13 sacks on the year is embarrassing, the complete lack of a running game, the offensive line issues, the handling of Joe Burrow and the passing volume behind that offensive line and the idea behind that. Um, there are a lot of things to, to point directly at the head coach and his coaching staff, uh, all of them vouching for players that are substandard uh, at, at certain spots. And I mean, you're going to publicly uplift your players anyway. I get that, but I'm continuing to go back to that same well and expecting different results. But I'm going to say this, you got to also kind of be careful what you wish for here with the Cincinnati Bengals, because here's the thing, Zach Taylor very well could be a very innovative awesome head coach. What we don't know, aside from the weird off seasons, he has started his coaching career with, uh, aside from that, that Tim McGee said it, Bengals head coaches have their hands in far more and extensively. So far more responsibilities in terms of managing the football team. They're not necessarily doing just the X's and O's player personnel. There's a management, almost a a de facto GM portion that is put upon a Bengals head coach that basically no other NFL franchise does this to the, to their head coaches. And you know, that comes with the the smaller scouting staff, a lack of a true GM. They just put a lot on their head coach. And so if you want to usher out Zach Taylor, Lou Anarumo, and whatever in their four wins, that's fine. I can understand that sentiment. But what in the management structure in the Cincinnati Bengals, what is going to change to set up the next head coach that you bring in to be successful? Because now you look back and you go, well, did Marvin Lewis work wonders with this team to make them consistently competitive and get those seven playoff uh, appearances? Because now you're seeing a young and experienced guy getting thrown all of the responsibilities that Lewis had and it's not going well. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. We forget how bad this team was when Marvin Lewis got here. Uh, and he made them a contender almost all the time, you know, and, and obviously things got bad at the end. And um, you like, like anybody that's ever gone through a bad breakup knows, like you forget about the good times when the bad times come along. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for that. He, he has come a, uh, he did do a lot with this organization Um I think he, he compared the two, and uh, Leslie Frazier was the defensive coordinator here in the first year, unceremoniously fired after the year. Uh, very surprising, particularly to Leslie, from what I remember. Uh, you yeah. know, but but that's the thing. And, and now this year, we're looking at all these coaches, and we're thinking, you know, last year it was get rid of Lou, get rid of Jim Turner, uh, and now this year again. So you know, the fact that he he was willing to pull that trigger and to to make some more moves uh, than than what Zach has done. That's definitely a, a, you know something that, that has has an impact as well. But um, yeah, I mean that, that that's a good question. Like, at what point do you make some changes? Yeah. Uh, do you promote Duke and and hire somebody else to his position? Uh, do you hire somebody above Duke? Do you, do you clean house in the front office? Uh, I, I personally like, like I get the idea of adding a GM. Um, I don't think more scouts are necessarily better scouts. You know, I've never been a fan of 
you know, you got to have more heads in the room. No, like you have to have the right voices, not not more voices in the room, because uh, too many voices is a, is a big time problem. Um, if you don't, especially if you don't know how to sort them out. So that you know, that's that's something I would I would look at and consider too. Is uh, you know, just kind of how that breaks down. I, I honestly don't like because he's not the GM. There's there's something so ambiguous about the Bengals, and I kind of love it as a coach. Because I don't want to tell people anything either. <laughs> like, like um, I, used to, I used to go to coaching clinics and I wouldn't say a word and I would just listen and, and I would just, you know, people would tell me everything they were doing the next year. Uh, but <laughs> but if you look at the Bengals, like, we'll, we'll take, take for an example. Uh, people have said Zach needs to give up play calling duties and give, the, give it to Callahan. We don't know what Callahan does. Right. Like, he might be calling the third downs already. You know, like he might be calling red zone already. And and then, you know, what, when people like me are complaining about situational football, that might not even be Zach. Like, but we have no idea because they don't like to tell us those things, which, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell us either. Um, and it's the same sort of thing with, with Duke. He's not the GM. So obviously in terms of scouting and, and you know, the, the caliber of players they're bringing in, that's heavily on him. Um, but – is it is it him that's spending money? Is it Katie that's spending money? Is it is it Mike Brown that's spending money? Like we don't we don't really know. So it, it's it's kind of interesting and like I don't know. It, it's probably by design that they set it up so you can't really blame anybody because you can't really be sure who's responsible. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I guess you know you just you see and hear a lot of voices around the league that just kind of keep pointing to the scouting staff. They keep pointing to a lack of GM, and then you keep seeing the repeated problems of you know, massive injuries to important players somewhere that has to be fixed, whether you're picking up the wrong people, you have some form of bad luck or your training conditioning staff, whatever that is, you need mm-hmm. to figure out something there. Um, and then of course, these big whiffs in the, in the last handful of drafts, starting back in 2015 with high picks, you just can't keep doing that and expect to, to, you know, have sustained success. And, and, these are the types of things where you set up a coach potentially to fail, you know? So that's, that was kind of my point with that. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience, because is it really a vacation? If you're just sitting around like you would at home, you need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Before we get to the next question, I, we wanted to spend some time on that because I know a lot of people are asking us about Zach and Lou, et cetera. So we spent a little extra time on that. But before we do, just want to remind folks, you can get in touch with us, call or text 949-542-6241. You can leave comments in the live Facebook chat, in the live YouTube chat, the comment thread on Cincy Jungle. You can tweet us at BanglesOBI. You can shoot us an email, theobinsider at gmail.com. And I also want to give... Uh, Matt, an opportunity. He's got he's got a nice uh, nice shirt there. Uh, his his chalk talk logo. Where can people get one of those, Matt? Um, growing the brand, my friend. Where can people? So, get uh, one? Yeah, uh, you can you can get these through T Public. If you if you go to my Twitter at Coach Minick, so Coach with an H, Minick with an H. Uh, there's a there's a link up top, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff on there. There's there's t-shirts. Uh, last time, I, like, they've been having a bunch of sales with uh, you know with, with uh, holiday season and everything. I think the, I think that this t-shirt was like 14 bucks last time I looked, uh, nice. which is marked down pretty significantly. Um, but they've got like they got hoodies, they got coffee mugs, uh, travel coffee mugs, cell phone covers, all all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's uh, at Coach Minick on Twitter. Uh, you know, click up on the, uh, the, the link on my profile, uh, and you can get what, whatever, uh, chalk talk gear you're looking for there. Yeah, there you go. Add, add one that has uh red seven hot route. You got to throw that out there. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, where, where are we going next, Matt? Oh, uh, new kicker. Okay. I saw so that there, there actually was a report on this that, that the Bengals actually are concerned about the kicking situation. They've got two on the roster. Can we see a surprise Austin Seabird appearance? Maybe. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing with me about when people are like, and, and I, I respect the heck out of Darren Simmons and what he has done as a special teams coach. Because if you remember, I don't know if you remember 2002 and before, the Al Roberts special teams era. If you remember, remember, Tra- uh, was it Travis Dorsch? Remember that the guy that was the kicker punter. Oh, remember wow. uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you got you got to go back. He lasted like a half a season. Remember, yeah. so there's a weird part of my brain that knows everything about NFL kickers, and even I don't remember that name. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go check that out. I'm pulling that one in the way back machine. <laughs> uh, Neil Rackers, he was a mess when he was in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. but he ended up having a solid career afterwards. Great tackler, though. Yes, yes, he was, he was okay. <laughs> Uh, the snapping issues, but like, you know, Brad St. Louis kind of steadied it for a little while. Then he had issues that have caused them now to go to Clark Harris, and he's been a pro bowler. But look, my my one thing with Darren Simmons is, you know, he, he sticks with kickers that, you know, at some point they, they show a propensity to not 
make a lot of clutch kicks. Shane Graham was was a highly successful guy. Missed a couple of really big kicks for this team in playoff mm-hmm. games or to set him up for playoffs. Um, you know, you can go. And they actually let him go for that reason. Yeah. Like, I mean, it took him a while, but yeah. It's funny because like, we all hate Bullock. Like, we all hate on Bullock, but Bullock is actually a pretty good kicker when it, it's not that important. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Like exactly. he's missing the key kicks. So like, and they've already, they've done that in the past. They've shown that they'll move on from a guy like that. Yeah. And then Mr. Andy Steve talks about Jake Elliott, that decision there, Jake mm. Elliott and been, been a, you know, a pretty good kicker for the Eagles. He's had a little bit of struggles, but he's been hitting longer kicks. So that's been my one thing with Darren Simmons where I go, where, where do you, what do you want to do with the kicker? I, I don't think that they really make a move necessarily yet for a new kicker right now, but maybe, maybe that's something they look at next year. I don't know about you. I mean, it'd be nicer, you know. It'd be nice if you can bring more people into camp, and you can, you know, have a have a tryout. Uh, besides the one guy that that uh, that they hadn't and kind of been around <laughs> in the past anyway. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that that'll that'll help a little bit too. But I I I don't know. It's definitely been frustrating. The Jake Elliott thing. I mean, that's a, that's another thing too. Like, I I would assume that they let Darren make that decision. Um. But we don't really know who makes those decisions at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought that they both looked pretty good that preseason. But to me, you you always go with the kid because the kids get better. Uh, this is what I, I like to call the uh, – uh, I'm going to call it the American Idol rule. Okay. Because right? when you look at these singing shows, like those 14-year-old kids always end up being way better at the end of the competition <laughs> when they get practice. All right. So it's the same thing with kickers, man. The, kicker, the, like, the kids get better. Uh, yeah. Randy, Randy Bullock, we knew who he was. He bounced around the NFL, like, and he had good moments. He had bad moments. We, we was, you know, he's been with some other teams. We pretty much knew that. Um, now I think Jake has had his ups and downs in, uh, with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He, he had some highlights right away when I got the ring, uh, we, which we all remember, but obviously things aren't going great for them anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Super Bowl rookie year, but, uh, and he, and he kicked a, he kicked like a 64 yarder. Like early in that season, it was a game winner too. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, oh, wow. which I get it. It pissed me off too, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, at a certain point, you got to be able to, to to do something about that, um, and bring those guys in and and, and figure it out. And you know, Darren was a, a punter by trade, uh, but obviously, you you've got to be able to train and develop uh, kickers in that in that job as well. And I, I think you know kind of to dispute my own point, I guess, about kickers and Darren Simmons, I think what he realizes probably as a punter, the value of kind of that battery system on special teams when it comes to field goal, you know, snapper to punter, uh, snapper to punter to field goal kicker, that mm-hmm. having that that continuity and those guys that know each other well, I, I think that he values that and rightfully so, because for the most part, the snapping issues have been non-existent as they were before his tenure. Um, and you know, the, the special teams is really solidified from, from pre Darren Simmons. I guess I'm just kind of nitpicking on some of the things and I have a lot of respect for what he's done. Um, oh yeah. I mean, that, that, that group has been great and, and it was something that would be talked about a lot more if this team was winning football games in other ways, but right. I mean, yeah, over, overall, they've been really good. Mike Thomas was a little early. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, th- th- like that, that's a, that's a situation too. Like, People people have asked me why was Mike Thomas in, and look, it was Brandon Wilson and it was Stanley Morgan Jr. And then Wilson got tight. His backup 
was probably Darius Phillips that wasn't playing because he was sick. You know what I mean? Like, how many guys are you working out at Gunner? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I mean, like, it, it gets tough with those special teams things. That's that's what we don't always think about with with injuries is how much it affects uh, those sorts of roles and kind of the the rollover effect of some of those injuries. Uh, did you pull one up a second ago? I saw you kind of pull another. Uh, I, I, somebody somebody said your uh, your Dorsch guy was a was a draft pick. So oh, okay. That. Um, I got one here uh, from 513. What's the deal with the – it's a text message. What's the deal with the Bengals staff not sharing info on Clint Bowling, Cordy Glenn, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, Joe Mixon? How can we expect Burrow to return for opening day? I I still – even though I think Zach overhauled the, the conditioning staff or the strength and conditioning part when he came in, um, I, I still have real hesitations about this medical staff, Matt. They, they just mm. – they seem to, I don't know if mishandle is uh, or misdiagnose is the right the right terms to use there, but guys are out for longer periods of time than they than we expect. Uh, I mentioned earlier the myriad of serious injuries to very important players and and a lot of them season ending. So I mean you can the one that wasn't talked about, I don't think there's AJ Green's deal last year that just lingered and lingered and lingered and they tried to do whatever they could with that. So I, I don't know if you have any ad- additional insight on that, but um you know, I, I, that's just a troubling area that the Bengals need. That's one of these areas within the organization. They need to make sure they have top-notch care there to avoid these injury bugs because they rely heavily on these guys that end up getting these severe injuries. Yeah, I mean, I have heard uh, – I forget who it was, but but there was actually a lot of praise for the people that do the rehab uh, recently. And somebody was talking about how, like, like Burrow's in good hands uh, in terms of his knee surgery and his knee rehab. But but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been been issues with that and things that have lingered for forever. And obviously, the coaches don't know any better uh, because if the coaches were getting the right information, you're putting AJ Green on on injured reserve. You know, especially last year when the roster wasn't as fluid and you could use that spot. Um, so yeah, there's definitely something something funky going on there. And I think that's a big part of the reason why. We didn't hear anything about Burrow, you know. I think Zach was realized. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, you know, and we're gonna see what's what's really going on with this. Um, which honestly, before they even went in for surgery, I wouldn't want to comment about it either. You know, I, I don't look. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but I'm a homeowner, and you know, like if you if you take your toilet apart or your sink apart or something, uh, you don't really know what you're facing until you open that thing up. And I would imagine it needs at least something like that, like. You know, you, t- you do you do an MRI and stuff, but I want to get my hands in there before I started really talking about, uh, you know, long-term effects. I mean, maybe a stupid analogy, but... We weren't heavily criticizing this in 2014, 2015 when this team was winning games. When you're losing games, you have four wins and a tie in the last two seasons. Nothing's off the table for discussion for improvement, sure. right? I mean, that's, that's kind of... That's kind of you know, I remember back in 14, God, that game against the Colts in the postseason, the Bengals had nobody that was healthy for that game. Yeah. Uh, and, and we weren't we weren't taking the medical staff really to task at that point um, because the team had 10 wins and, you know, they were in the playoffs once again. We, we, pro- we knew they probably weren't going to win that game because they were so depleted. But, um, you know, I mean, these are the things now that come to the forefront of conversations when you have four wins in two years. I, I think it also speaks to the depth. You know, I think that's always been a problem for this team. Um, yeah. There's a lot of times when they go into the year, and, and you can look at the 
generally when you look at their their starting lineups at the beginning of the year, it's like, all right, that's pretty good. But the problem is there's too many guys that are like just okay. And when the just okay guys get hurt, like their backups aren't okay. You know, so I mean it, it just kind of builds on itself and um oh, who was the guy? I'm I'm blanking. I had a really good example of a guy like that. But I mean honestly, like like you look at the guard situation right now, those are they got a lot of guards that are like you feel okay putting them out there, but when Suofilo goes down, who's his backup? Took them a yeah. few weeks to figure that out. Yeah, I mean um, you can look at the other starting boundary corner position. It was Trey Wayne. Yeah. Then you go Darius Phillips, and now what you're doing is CB6. CB6, LeJean, LaShawn Sims is the mm-hmm. guy who's starting on the boundary. So, yeah, nosedive. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's the problem. Every successive layer, it, it gets to be a bigger problem. Um, and, and I I was talking to I – I think I was talking to somebody on Twitter earlier and, you know, said they, they, thought, Sims, they thought that uh, Phillips did a good job. I'm like, in small doses, Yes. Like he can do a pretty good job and I, and I'm fine with starting him in a game. I'm just not, I don't want him to be the CB two for the season because then, you know, what's the next guy, next man up look like. Um, and, and again, it, it stacks upon itself. And all of a sudden you have, you have a Darius Phillips and you're playing on him being your, your fourth corner, which means, you know, for Darius Phillips, that means backing up every position because he can play inside too. Uh, maybe you're using him in some dime packages. You're using him in some special teams roles, and now all of a sudden he's he's CB two for you, and he's taking. I'm throwing out eighty percent of the snaps on defense. I have no idea what he was taking. Um, and now what's the drop off? It's not just about the drop off between Trey Waynes and Darius Phillips. It's about the drop off between Darius Phillips and um, lost his name, the guy from the Titans. Uh, yes, uh, and, and Sims, you know, and. Who's taking Sims's role and who's taking all these these special teams roles? Darius Phillips is a guy that has struggled to stay healthy for a season, even when playing in a reserve role. So we had to know he wasn't going to be the cornerback too all year, and that Sims is going to be in there. Um, I, I actually thought it was one of the smarter things that that uh, Dar- uh, that uh, Lou and has done this year in the Colts game when Phillips and Sims went about 50-50. Because I think he realized he didn't have one guy that he could count on the whole game, so he was trying to like keep him rested, keep him fresh, and be able to go with him. Obviously, uh, you know that rotation did not pan out very well in the second quarter of that game. But I mean, I, I think honestly that like a lot of things that that Lou and Rumo has done this year, I think are kind of desperation moves based on where where the depth chart is is at. And you can say the same thing about defensive line, and you look at defensive tackle. With the Bengals, you look at the defense attack with the Cowboys, they're really in the same boat. Um, they, they, like Both teams thought they had really good defensive lines, and both teams had unexpected problems, especially at defensive tackle. Tupo, opt out. Gino, got to be hurt, right? Like, like <laughs> They're never really come out and saying it. Reader, he's out. You know, you look at the, the – John uh, satisfied. Yeah, and you look at the Cowboys, you know, uh, Poe didn't work out for them. Everson Griffin on the edge didn't work out for them. Gerald McCoy got hurt in the first day of camp. We know what that's all about. Um, so, I mean, it was just uh, – it, it's just brutal. And, and sometimes you, you get those things and, and it adds up in a position. And, I mean, it can really, uh, you know, really get you for the season uh, when those things start to add up like that. 
Yeah, I mean, the way this was constructed, and we'll get to the next question here, we'll be here for just a couple more minutes, but the way this was constructed in the spring and the summer, Matt, it looked like defensive line was going to be kind of a strong point of this team with Reader there. You had Gino, who at the time was healthy. You could mix in Mike Daniels once you added him. You had a nice rotation in the interior, even though Tupo opted out. You had a nice rotation in the interior. You had Dunlap. You had Hubbard. You had Carl Lawson to work off of the edge. And Ren. I forgot about Ren got hurt, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then at corner, you had Jackson, Waynes, Alexander, Phillips. I mean, and you went down and down and down, and you go, hey, this is this is stacking up kind of nicely here. And then all of a sudden, it was injury after injury. So then we're kind of coming <laughs> yeah. full circle on this thing. But uh, where, where do you want to go next? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm bad at reading these things while we're going. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go. We had an email. Uh, you have a couple emails that we uh, maybe want to get to here. There's one, uh, Jason in Germany. It's cool that a guy in Germany listens to us, by the way. Yeah. Um, Talking about Marvin Lewis coming in, returning to a role as a GM um, or some sort of position like that with the Bengals. I mean, the, the Jason talked about how the Browns and the Blackburns trusted Marvin. There was a really good relationship. Obviously, he wouldn't have been there for 16 years if that's if that's the case. And he was, if you asked Tim McGee, if you ask Takeo Spikes, if you ask anybody we have talked to, and we mentioned Marvin Lewis, that you know they all say Marvin brought modernity. If to use a term, uh, a modern age to the Cincinnati Bengals. And maybe in that role, he could potentially do the same and bring the Bengals back to respectability. Number one, I don't, I don't think Marvin's coming back to Cincinnati in any capacity personally. Um, number two, I, I think it may not be just the best idea for the Bengals to go crawling back to Lewis. I don't know, but, um, and we also, we've never seen Marvin Lewis. I mean, I mentioned earlier head coaches kind of act as a little bit of a, assistant GM or something like that with the Cincinnati Bengals, but we've never really seen Marvin in a true front, only front office capacity has done a little bit of stuff at ASU, but um, that's just my thoughts. What are your thoughts about Lewis returning to the Bengals in any kind of capacity, Matt? Well, there was a report. I think it was from uh, Daniel Jeremiah that Marvin is getting a lot of head coach buzz. Um, And I'm here for it. Like, I, I don't think like, you can't you can't go back. No. Um, it, he hasn't been gone for long enough, and it's not like it was an internal hire. I think they're trying to go a different direction here, and just like the Dunlap thing, it doesn't. It's not better or worse. It's just different. I don't think it, I don't think it works for him here. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think teams should talk to him. I think I think the Texans and whoever else has jobs, I think they should bring him in. I think they should talk to him, um, and. Look, look, he took a he took a team that was nothing. I mean, like the '90s were so bad. Like, and and we forget how awful that was. And now we're reliving it. Um, hopefully, not for as long. But but like they, like they were always competitive in in the 2000s. They were always competitive with with Marvin. Um, you know, and it's not just about five years straight in the playoffs. Like before that, like they they had some good years. They put some stuff together. Um, he was always able to bring in good assistant coaches, you know, at, like she's like three, three really good uh, offensive coordinators in a row at one point. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, at some point things fell off. Uh, 
things things changed, and I think there were some you know inklings of that beforehand. But yeah, I, I just I think he sh- should be in the NFL. Um, if I'm looking for a head coach or or a defensive coordinator, and I'm not the Bengals, I would talk to him. But I, I it doesn't make sense for for the Bengals. For me. The only way for me it would make sense is if you're like. If you're going totally anti Zach Taylor, and you're like, "Nope, this isn't working. We got to go back," and you're you're bringing in Zimmer and with Marvin running the show, somebody yeah, said that all star cast like, or something. Yeah, like I, it, at least that works to me. I wouldn't do that. I I, I think it's I think it's good that we're moving on. Um, but yeah, that, that that that'd be my take on it. Yeah, it's working to a degree a little bit with the Raiders with Gruden, um, but you know, not to the to the Super Bowl type of level quite yet. But um, look, I mean, I, I want to see Marvin operate in a different organization to see. I, I think we would get a real read on how effective of a coach Marvin Lewis truly is when he doesn't have all the stuff that would be on his plate like he had with the Cincinnati Bengals. And quite honestly, to your point, Matt, I think. Probably, you know, um, right, right in that 2016, that that loss against the Steelers. Um, I think all of the stuff that he has had to juggle with the Cincinnati Bengals—that's kind of a revelation I had this week, given that news that he's starting to get some run uh, for head coaching positions. I, I just, I, I kind of feel like all that stuff started to wear on him. And like your correlation that you made, where someplace you work, there's a management shift. It's also—I've worked at places where you have a lot of talented people. And management places too too many differing responsibilities oh, yeah. on that one person. You know, an outside sales guy isn't necessarily really good at inside customer service on the phones, right? They're outside working with people, networking, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily great at doing the phones. Well, Bengals coaches are kind of, if you want to use a weird analogy, they're kind of doing all that stuff. Um, and you need to let them concentrate on some of their strong points. So that's where I'm curious to see where if Marvin Lewis lands somewhere else. Um, you know, I think we'd get a good picture as to how good of a head coach he really is. Uh, yeah, did you- yeah, that's a great point. And, and to kind of build on that, um, so ah, crap, sorry, I was trying to pull something up. I was trying to throw out an exact number, but um, even just coaching, like, I mean, I got burned out from coaching. That's why, that's why I retired for, for, for a while there. Uh, and, and NFL coaching in particular, like, um, I'm uh, trying to look it up here, but Dick Vermeil, like yeah. that guy was gone for like almost two decades, something like yeah. that, like like 15 years or something uh, between the Eagles and the Rams. Like, and that, that dude was like living the good life on a vineyard, like just chill <laughs> for, for that time. Uh, and, you know, like, so honestly, like, I, I think these guys are better off taking a few years off and coming back. And I, and I think even under normal circumstances, uh, it, it can burn you out pretty good. Yep. Uh, you see another another one or two in here that you want to get to? Anything piquing your interest that we didn't get to yet? Hmm. There was one we got email wise. If you're not finding one um, talking about uniform changes, do you think that that's maybe something on the horizon for next year with the young Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow kind of being the faces of the team? I mean, honestly, it would make a lot of sense because how many people bought Joe Burrow jerseys? Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? How many people will buy another one if they, if they make a new jersey? They probably probably a lot of people will. Uh, so I mean, I, I think it makes. And honestly, like I don't. I she's I've heard before that it, I mean, it's a process that takes a, a little bit of time. It takes like like a couple of years, like the process they normally go through with that stuff. But right now, they've just lost a lot of money uh, from only being able to have so many people in the in the stands uh, and the concessions and all those sort of things. So you know, a, a rebrand just to generate a little bit of cash flow. Uh, be a very smart business move for them right now. I mean, I, honestly, I think a lot of teams probably like this. You're going to know who the smart teams were. Cause this, I think the, the, the really smart business teams probably thought about that in August. And we're probably going to, if not in 2021, when we see them in 2022, um, I don't know if it'll be the Bengals or not, but, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's time. Um, those whites are terrible. You know, like the color shoulder. Right. Yeah. Like the, the whole shoulder thing. Like, I, I don't know. Like, the Bills had done that before, and I didn't think it worked for them either. The Bills have long since moved on from it, but um, you know the, the those color rushes are are awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely like to like to see them do something a little bit different. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them at least mix in the uh, you know maybe the old school one with the bangles the bangles worded wording on the on the side. You wear those once a year, just kind mm-hmm. of make up a little bit yeah throwback would be awesome yeah yeah definitely yeah uh what else we got before we hop on out of here zeke can't catch somebody says zeke can't catch zeke can catch (laughs) (laughs) uh Uh, yeah i I just want to you know get into the the cowboys a little bit i mean this Cowboys team is like I, I just uh, did an interview. If you want to download that podcast, check it out with uh, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, the SB Nation's um, Cowboys site. Like we've got we've got a lot in common with that team. Uh, both teams have suffered a ton of injuries. Their quarterback, their defensive line. They've got uh, a t- like a, they had a really good offensive line at the beginning of the year. Most of those guys aren't around uh, in, in in Dallas. Um, so, you know, things are, are kind of adding up. They both have head coaches that the fan base definitely doesn't trust, and there's questions whether or not the uh, the players trust them. So, I mean, this is going to be really interesting. It's not just it's not just the Andy Dalton Bowl. It's not just the, the Penne Bowl for the third overall pick, perhaps. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see which of these teams is, is heading in the right direction. Because uh, I, I really think that that says it strongly. I mean, y- yeah, you can make a case that, uh, at least offensively in the skill position, uh, skill positions, they are in a better position than the, than the Bengals are in Dallas. Uh, but I mean, they've got a lot of problems. They've got a lot of problems in the line. So, I mean, it's going to be going to be interesting to, to see how this thing really, really pans out. Um, I also point out one thing. So the Bengals ran for 205 yards against the Jaguars. That was their highest rush total of the year. The Jaguars on the season, have the 30th ranked defense against the rush. The Bengals are 29th. The Jaguars are 30th. Um, the Cowboys are 32. Dead last. I was Dead just last. Yeah. And they've given up uh, over 30 yards per game. Like like the, the Cowboys and actually the Texans, oddly enough, are the outliers that are really bad. And then the Bengals and Jaguars are like they're I think they're like 130-ish. There's like there's a handful of teams that are right around there. Still bad. But like 
the Texans and Cowboys are exponentially worse against the run. So if the Bengals can actually run the ball, and you know you're going to get stuffed boxes because nobody's afraid of Brandon Allen, but if the Bengals can actually run the ball and generate some offense that way, they might have a chance in this thing. Like honestly, like like looking at those stats, it's like, geez, they might have a chance against the against the Texans and the Cowboys yeah. um, if if they can do something offensively because they can run the ball. Um, and you know, again, they, they need to supplement things. They they do need to be able to pass the ball uh, and and empty out some of those boxes. But uh, I, I I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. We, we had a great conversation with RJ. And, you know, if you wanna if you wanna feel a little bit better about this weekend, uh, definitely listen to that conversation. Yeah, please do. That one is, let's end on this one down here in just a sec, but please do. And all of our audio content is on your favorite streaming platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. Um, So go check it out. Download the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, Matt's Chalk Talk episodes, the Orange and Black Insider episodes, and Orange is the New Black by Ace and Zim are all on there. Do us a favor, too, especially on iTunes. Helps us with a little bit more visibility. Leave us a rating, um, hopefully a positive one, but leave us a rating and uh, let us know how we're doing. And that helps us get bumped up a little bit. We've been hovering in terms of uh, worldwide football podcasts uh, throughout the year. We've been kind of in that top 40. So we've been one of the one of the top podcasts, which we've been pretty pr- proud of. So um, appreciate the support. And uh, if you can give us a little more, that'd be awesome. We'd appreciate that too. Let's end here with Dave Lennox. We talked a little bit, you and I did before the going on the air, Matt, about Panay Sewell and, you know, a couple of other guys, you know, if we get the third overall pick, you talked about potentially the Bengals getting two more wins here based on <laughs> a couple of games coming up. Uh, how far back would you be willing to trade to add capital? I think it's also – this could take up an entire podcast episode probably, hmm. but do you trust the Bengals to move back and get out of out of range where these blue-chip marquee players are um, given the lack of resources we've talked a lot about on this, po- on this Listener Questions Live ep- episode here? I mean, I – it's almost kind of like, well, they seem to do best and have the best yields when they have these really high picks and these great players kind of fall in their laps. Um, when they get outside of the top 10, when they get into the 20s, yeah, I mean, there's some nice classes in there. 2012 was a really nice class for this team. But, I mean, there there are times, if I go back to 2015, you know, they're in the 20s and they just, that draft killed them. Uh, so... I mean, I'm kind of like, well, if you have a high pick, maybe stay put and take take the best guy that's there. You know, particularly if it's offensive line. I don't. I know there's a lot of roster holes, but I don't know if I trust this team to nail a ton of picks, especially when you move out of the marquee type of positioning. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, John Ross was number nine. So, <laughs> um, but I, I think the Bengals, like other teams, when they get in trouble, is when they get locked into a position. Um, so that to me, you know, like I, I think you, you draft the best available player. Um, they took a lot of heat over waiting as long as they did to draft the tackle in this year's draft. Um, honestly, I, I think they probably wanted to take a tackle in the round two and they couldn't believe T Higgins was there, you know, and, and uh, I, we, I've believe we, we have heard that, they had a high second round grade on, on Logan Wilson too. So, you know, it could have been the same thing and that's how they came out of there. Uh, but that's why you got to take care of things and the draft needs to be extra. You can't, you can't be drafting need. You need to take yeah. care of needs in free agency uh, and then, and then draft for the best available player. Cause that's, that's how you set yourself up the, in the best possible way. Um, now we were talking about this before. 
I haven't watched enough film. I, I watched I watched a significant amount of film on, on Penny Sewell. Um, I haven't watched enough on some of these other guys. I think there's a, a number of edge rushers and offensive linemen, uh, guards and tackles that will go in the first round who could who could help out this team. Uh, but I don't have them, you know, specifically rated out. If if you're close with Penning and a couple other guys, take the picks. You know, I mean, like like take the picks. But yeah, but if you look at Penny, if you really think he's that guy, you know, if you if you think he's the generational guy, if you think he's a can't miss prospect, um, I have trouble thinking that way about him. Just like he last time he played football, he was 19 years old and he took an entire year off. It's just it's just like so hard to find yeah. precedent for for this sort of thing. Um, in terms of calling him a can't miss and stuff. Uh, but if you think he's that guy, take him. You know, like take him, protect your asset. Jonah yeah. Williams already plays left tackle. Don't care. Figure that problem out later. One of them can play right. I don't really care. Like right. we'll get into that debate later. I, I'm sure. But honestly, whoever can figure out how to play the other spot better, I'm fine by it. And, and, and guess what? That guy's gonna have to block TJ Watt twice a year. So yeah. um, I don't really think it's left tackle is much more valuable than right tackle when you see TJ Watt twice a year anyway. And check out Matt's Twitter handle. I think you also put a, a Cincy Jungle post up on Panay Sewell, just kind of doing some film review and, and whatnot. Yep. His his tape is phenomenal. I mean, his tape oh, is yeah. It's it's ridiculous. The dude's a freak athlete. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty crazy how, how athletic he is. Um, and, and honestly, like, I would have loved to see him play this year because there's a lot of like little things. But if you watch his games early in the year uh, in in 2019, and then you watch him playing in the Rose Bowl, like, there were some big steps that were they were taken even in a even in a small amount of time there. Um, but yeah, like the way he moves, man, just the, the, he's, he's just a freak athlete. And, and, you know, the Bengals love these guys that can move around well. I think Jonah's got incredible feet too. That's something that um, that we really liked about him. That's something that, that we really like about Hakeem, uh, you know, how good he is, how smooth he is w- with his feet. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, he would be an exciting guy to, to go for, a- absolutely. Um, but like we said, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the other guys. I, I think both – both lines need a lot of work right now. Yeah, it's just that year off. Uh, I guess we'll end on this one because this one's specifically directed to you, Matt. Um, Brian in Iowa, how well do, you, do the Bengals execute the basics right now and or fundamentals? Mm-hmm. Uh, you being Coach Minnick, what, what are you seeing on that front? That, it, that's a very – it's a broad question. Um, and 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 shout out to uh, to Iowa. I actually grew up in Minnesota, believe it or not. Yeah. So, uh, about, about twenty minutes from the Iowa border, uh, played played semi pro with a little team called the Esterville Raiders, which is not bragging because it was not a good thing. Uh, sorry, Brian, if you play for the Esterville Raiders. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we look at things, look, the, the tackling was awful at the beginning of the year. It was awful, uh, especially in that that Browns game. I think it's gotten a lot better. Jesse Bates is still not a good tackler, uh, but I think overall it's gotten a lot better. I think they've they've drafted some guys that are real good. Logan Wilson is a very strong tackler. Um, honestly, I think William Jackson might be the best tackler they've got right now. Um, I, I think he's been very very impressive, especially for for a cornerback. Um, defensively, the thing I think they don't do well is getting off of blocks, and that's what really bugs me about our defensive line. And I mean, 
like I don't want to, you know, I, I again, I'm not around all the time. I'm not, I'm not in it. So I don't know what the thought is. Part of me thinks it's Nick Eason, you know, who's, who's got a, a pretty strong track record coming from the Texans and everything. Um, but there are times when they're getting pushed into the pocket, but they just don't come off the blocks. And, you know, I mean, there's a play with that where, where Carlos like just jumped up into the air uh, against, uh, against the Eagles. And it was just like, throw a rip, you know, put a, put a move on this guy. So I would say, I, I think their tackling has gotten a lot better. I think a big problem that the defensive line has is disengaging from blocks, whether it be in pass pro or even to some extent, I think they've gotten better in the run game, but even to some extent getting off of blocks uh, to make plays in the, in the running game. Uh, blocking kind of goes without saying uh, not, not a strong suit. Uh you know, this offensive line needs a lot of work, uh, both run backing, pass blocking. I think that Drew Sample has gotten a lot better this year. Yeah, yeah he um, and, and yeah, and, and like, look, we've seen more in the past game, but I think he's a really good blocker now. Uh, he's what we, we he was supposed to be. You know, he's become that over the course of the year and in pass protection, too. I think he's, he's been pretty uh, impressive as a blocker. Um, I mean, you know. They they're been games where they had too many drops, so I guess you could probably you know say that that might be a little bit of an issue with with, with some of the receivers. Um, I, that that's been the minority of the time, it, I, and honestly, I think it was kind of a I think it might be kind of a bright light sort of situation. That uh, I believe that was like against the Steelers, and they really weren't helping Burrow out. They had they had a couple of drops in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, they could, at the end of the day, it comes out of the blocking and tackling. I think they've gotten better at tackling. Um, and I, I think they definitely need to get better at blocking. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's a question of how much of how much of the errors and issues are just a lack of talent in the injuries, and how much of it are the mental mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right? I there I, I see mental mistakes from similar players, but I also I, I I agree with you that the tackling has greatly improved, and I think the investment at linebacker has really helped that. Um, it helped that issue, and and actually some of the corners that they brought in, um, they they really emphasized tackling. So I do think mm-hmm. tackling has improved for the, for a good part. Um, and, and, you know, and you talk about like like you know when you're talking about the mental aspect too, I, I think you say the same thing there for the for the corners that I think that might be why Dre's not here because there yep. were times last year when you when you saw coverages and literally like me and and you and John Sheeran would be sitting here going. I don't even know what this is supposed to be. Right. Um, you're not seeing that anymore. You know, and, and look, people don't love seeing Diva to tackles drop into coverage. I get it. Um, <laughs> but the Patriots did it last night. Um, but yeah, like now things seem to make sense. So I, I think they, they've taken that step. I think the coaching has improved in that way. Maybe that's Steven Jackson, the, the new corners coach. You know, maybe he's communicating things a little bit better. Maybe he's more on the, on the same page with Lou than the than his predecessor was. Um, but but yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to add on that point. No, no, it's it's good. And you know, I, I just and that's where the entire coaching change debate kind of goes round and round because I, it's it, there's so many issues that were outside of Zach Taylor's control over the past two off seasons. His first as an NFL head coach, there are a lot of decisions and other things that he made staff wise, et cetera, that have, that are real indictments against his coaching prowess. But you also look at again to, to the question here, it's, it's just kind of like, well, 
we're seeing some good signs, but we're also seeing a really depleted roster with uh, mm. and bad signs. So it's kind of like it's it's really hard to put for me at least a real evaluation on some of these things. And I think that may be kind of a sticking point with Bengals management when it comes time to make a decision on the coaching staff and and what they do moving forward. Yeah. And, and like, you know, specifically you look at the O-line and I think the O-line took a step back because the O-line looked, it was getting better at the end of last year. Uh, Joe Mixon ran for over 700 yards in the yeah. last eight games last year after doing like nothing in the first half of the year. Um, so at least like they could run the ball, like they, they figured some things out on the offensive line. Um, and that was, and, and they had a, they were in a bad position last year. Uh, yeah, they had, they had John Jerry playing left tackle. Yep. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't until the very end that you started to see uh, Fred in there. He played about a game and a half at the end. Now they should be better. They had Jonah up until now for the most part. Um, so they should be in a better pos- position and that, They've taken a step back. Uh, I think the difference, if you look at the defense, is they're better than they were last year. You know, and I get that they're still at the bottom of the league, but they're better than they were last year, and they're really not in a better position. They should have been. And preseason, I talked about this as being Lou's got to put up now because he's got Trey Waynes, he's got GJ Reader, he's got Josh Bynes. They spent a lot of money, but he doesn't have Reader. You know, and and he ended up not having Carlos. You know, whether that was his fault or what the situation there was. And, and he never got Trey Waynes. So you I mean, you look at it and like, yeah, I don't know. It like, if you don't have really good corners, but you've got a good pass rush, you can figure out how to play some pretty good defense. If you don't have a really good pass rush, but you've got two shut down corners, you can figure out how to play some pretty good defense. If you don't even have a CB2 that's like a real dude and you can't get after the quarterback, it's a mess. I, I don't know what you're expecting. And that's like, I do see a lot of things that they're doing. Like, they, I think we want them to blitz more to account for it, but then you got to be really good in coverage because you're going to be in, you know, you're going to be in man, you're going to be in solo coverage a lot when you're, when you're doing those sort of things. Um, but, like, you do see a lot of the game planning around taking care of uh, some of the issues, taking away the run game from, from some teams. Like, they've, they've had some really good game planning moments. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to claim that, that Anaroom is a, a genius in those terms or anything like that, but there have been some really good moments. The Ravens game was pretty impressive. Like, you take, like the first quarter, part of that wasn't even his fault. Um, the, score, the, the score late was, uh, was, I believe, a pick six. You know, it's like so they did pretty well against that Ravens team the first time around. Um, so I don't know. I, th- th- that's the difference. That's, that's why, like in my head, I, I think I think you're going to change on the O line, but I don't think you're. Gonna, I, I could see not changing the defense because I do think that he got the the short end of the stick and some bad luck and that stuff. Um, so I could see giving him another shot. Now, having said that, um, just because a guy here's the here's the metaphor I used. Uh, I, I made up on Twitter uh, the other day. Just because you can take lemons and make lemonade doesn't mean that with you know the proper tools and everything that you can make like a really good scotch. You right. know what I mean? Like like things are more complicated. And and I think that Lou Anarumo has Lou Anarumo should not be fired because of what he did this year because of the product he put in the field because I think he did a, about as good as anybody can do 
with the resources that he had. Does that mean that he can make this defense as good as it needs to be to be competitive to make a run? That doesn't mean that. So it, again, it's it, it's it's just like you're evaluating Zach, Zach Taylor. It's not about I, I don't get rid of him because he had a bad because the defense had a bad year. Get rid of him if you don't think he can get the defense to where they be uh, where they belong next year. Yeah, and Brian follows it up saying penalties are coaching mental mistakes. Yeah, some of them are, but there's also, uh, and, and that's a good that's a good observation there. But also, I think some of them are point to physical or roster deficiencies. You know, if you have a lot a person who holds a lot on the offensive line, that's not necessarily a, a mental mistake. I don't think. I think sometimes it just shows that they're overmatched physically, and they're not they're not really up to snuff uh on the offensive line so uh, i mean yeah and i mean it's hard, it's hard to say i i think there's a bit of both of that when you look at something like holding right but i mean there there have definitely been too many false starts and you know things yeah. like that that are definitely you know um they're definitely more. mental errors so yeah. uh so yeah brad, brad makes a good point on that but i yeah i understand your point on that too yeah well thanks for all the questions guys we've gone a little long but it's been a lot of fun chatting with the coach Matt Minnick, uh, he has also, aside from the podcast episode he has out, he did a video review of Xavier Suofilo and Hakeem Adeniji. It's on our YouTube channel right under Matt's, right right next to the logo of Chalk Talk on his shirt. Yeah. Right his left arm, there is a <laughs> orange and black insider. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, click that. You can subscribe to our channel, get all of our material as it comes out, get notified when we go live. Uh, same thing with Facebook. Make sure you like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page and you'll get notified about that stuff. Subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer. We appreciate all the support. Enjoy yourselves this weekend. Matt's going to spearhead the Narragansett Beer pregame show an hour before kickoff to all the way up to shortly before kickoff. We'll have a postgame show as well. So we've got more content coming for you this weekend. Hey, Matt, appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.